book, Waiting on God by Andrew Murray together. I hope you've had a chance to follow along with us. Uh, if, you're, if you need to know exactly where we're supposed to be as a congregation, you should be somewhere like in the 21 to uh, chapter 25 range coming into this week, okay? If not, just catch up as you can. If uh, you're too far back, you feel like, I can't possibly catch up now, listen, that's okay. Just take it at whatever pace the Lord leads you through, and that will be an excellent thing because I think he, he continues to speak at his own pace for each and every one of us. But as we're doing that, we have been seeing the Lord's hand in that because we believe this is a, a skill set, a spiritual skill set that we need to be developing because we're in such uncertain times. We're having to make so many decisions that are coming our way, and it can be very overwhelming and paralyzing for us. But when we learn to go to the Lord and wait on Him, what we discover is we just don't have the resources that we need to accomplish what has to be done. We don't have the physical strength. We don't have the mental strength. We don't have the emotional strength. But what God has is more than enough for us. He has a plan. He has resources. He has all of that spiritual strengthening that we need to walk us through any circumstance that we're facing. And so when we sit in His presence, it quiets us down. It allows us to set aside our working and our movement and allows Him to be working and allows Him to be about His movement. And that's where life gets good as a follower of Christ, when he's working and when he's moving. So what we've been trying to do on Sunday mornings during this time is to give us some practical understanding of what it looks like to wait on him. And so we're focusing in this week and last week on John chapter 15. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and open your Bibles there because we're going to spend time there again this week. And I feel like that John 15 is the New Testament version of waiting on God. It's the way Jesus speaks about it. It's this principle that we talked about last week of learning how to remain in Christ. And if you were here last week, what we saw is Jesus painting this beautiful picture, this metaphor of how the Father, God the Father is the gardener who cares for his garden, that Jesus said, I am the vine, and that we as his followers are the branches. And that as we remain in him, we're going to have all the resources of the vine flow into us and we're going to bear fruit that's going to glorify the Lord. And so what we saw was, as we talk about practically, what does it look like day in and day out for us to remain in Christ? What we said was this, remaining in Christ is positioning yourself every single day so that you can receive God's affection over you. His revelation, so he can show you anything that he wants you to know or realize about yourself or his plan or what he's up to, but also receive God's provision to carry out that revelation. And on top of that, we saw it's also an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to build the character of Jesus into us. You know, the goal, what Romans 8 says, the goal for us is that we would be transformed into the character of Jesus. And your effort is not going to be enough to do that. You're not going to have what it takes to move into and to grow up into the character of Jesus on your own. It only takes one hard meeting at work to figure out you don't have the character of Jesus, right? But the Holy Spirit within us is Jesus himself coming to live within us. And as his power flows through us, and as we stay connected to him, then he begins to transform Matt Walton's character into the character of Jesus. And he does the same for you each and every day. We hopefully, this is the goal, we look a little bit more like Jesus this afternoon than we did when we woke up. I hope in a week we look a lot more like Jesus. In a couple of years, I, look, I hope we look a lot more like Jesus. Because God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what Romans chapter 8 looks like. So I want us to go back to 
John chapter 5, and I want to pick up in verse 5 today, and I want to read through this passage as Jesus continues to teach his disciples, and then I want to talk about the results, what happens when we remain in Christ. There's no way that you and I can stay relationally connected to an all-powerful God and not be changed. I want to say that again. I want that to sink in. It's impossible for us to stay relationally connected to an all-powerful God and not be changed. You cannot encounter His power without His power transforming you. Every significant relationship in your life has had an impact on you. It has changed the way you think. It's changed the way you you work. It's changed the things you say. That's the nature of being in relationship as relational creatures, as God has created us. Last year, I got to teach uh, for the TKA teachers. And uh, they had asked me to teach kind of in an in-depth way. And so it was about a a two-and-a-half-hour teaching. And I was teaching along... And I don't even remember what the topic was right now, but this is what I do remember about that. We got to our first break, and one of the teachers came up to me uh, that was one of Knox's teachers from a couple years ago, either first grade or second grade, and this is what she said. I felt like I was listening to Knox Walton walk around and teach. You talk the same way. You carry yourself the same way. You use the same facial expressions. You have the same mannerisms. I thought I was listening to Knox Walton walk around and teach. Now, listen, this is why. Because Knox Walton lives with me, and, and we hang out, and we ate meals together, and we rough and tumble in the living room together, and we go to football games together, and we talk, and we spend time together, and we joke, and we tell corny jokes back and forth, and all those kind of things. We have a lot of our life entwined and invested in each other. And because of that, Knox starts to look like me. He starts to act like me. His mannerisms are like mine. He picks up on those things because we are in relationship together. Your kids are the same way. Your wife and your husband, you start to interact and look alike. I hear that as you get older and older, you start dressing alike. I hope I hadn't got there yet, but I hear that happens. I hear it happens because relationship changes us. And as we remain in Christ, relationship with Him is going to change us too. So what we want to talk about is what those changes look like as they flow out of us practically today. And Christ says... It's bearing fruit. And the analogy he uses of him being the vine where the branches, he says it's bearing fruit. So look at what he says in verse 5, chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And I want to encourage you to underline what Jesus said there. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And some of you are thinking, man, this is good news because I need that new car. So Jesus, I'm going to remain in you so that what I ask, The Father will give to me. Well, listen to how Jesus unfolds that. He says, 
if you remain in me and my words remain in you, meaning what I'm commanding you, what I'm speaking to you, what I'm revealing to you about reality, when my words remain in you, then you'll be able to ask the Father whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. You know how that works? Because when we're remaining in Him, Christ's words remain in me. And so what I'm going to be asking the Father, get this, is the Father's words and Christ's words back to the Father. Not Matt Walton's wants and desires and my words, what I think are good. I'm going to be reflecting back to God the Father, what Jesus would ask God the Father for, because we're in relationship together. And so we need to be in that place where he can speak those words to us. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Did you catch that? We looked at this last week. Bearing fruit is one of the marks of you being a follower of Christ. The world needs to see who are followers of Christ and who are not? Who are pretenders? Who are people who are not interested in Christ, but they're interested in building their kingdom? The world needs to know that. What's one of the marks? Is that we bear the fruit that honors God. Later in 1 John, John will say this. One of the other marks is that we love one another. That we love each other as Christ loved us. Those are the marks of being disciple of Jesus. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. So Jesus is now taking us to a different depth of what it means to remain in him. He says, listen, I remain in relationship with my Father. He's able to pour his love into me. Now you remain in my love. In the same way, stay connected, stay focused, stay in that growing relationship. Verse 10, if you keep my commands... You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So Jesus models for us. I stay connected to the Father. You stay connected to the Father. I obey the Father's commands. You obey my commands. And you'll remain in me. Verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I just have a question. In light of what you've dealt with this year, could you use a little bit more joy in your life? Jesus said, I'm telling you this so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be eh, kind of half-hearted. Nope. So that your joy can be what? Complete. The picture is of a glass that gets filled up over to flowing that your joy may be complete. I want complete joy this year. Even in light of what's going on. Verse 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. In other words, I want you to think back over the last three and a half years that we've done everything together. I want you to look at how I've loved you. You've made mistakes. I've been graceful to you. I've pulled you out of pits. I have taught you. I have helped you understand God the Father better. As I have loved you, what should we do? Love one another. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. Think about that in the light of the fact that about 12 hours later, Jesus is going to do the exact thing he just said. He's going to tell them before he does it, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend, and then he's going to follow it up on the cross the very next day. Don't you think that John thought back over that? 
as he was writing out his gospel years later, thinking about that moment, thinking about what Jesus said there. Verse 13, greater love is no one than this. Then he laid down his life for one of his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I've made known to you. In other words, this is a different relationship than just servant and master. Absolutely, God deserves our service because we are created beings. He is the one high and holy God. He is our master without a doubt. But he has expanded our relationship with him beyond that. It's not just a servant-master relationship. He said we are his friends. We're his friends. I like hanging out with my friends. I don't know about you. I enjoy investing in my friends. I enjoy them investing in me. I enjoy sharing life with them. That's the relationship that Christ has invited us into and that he calls us to maintain. Not just a master-servant relationship, but that relationship of two friends loving and caring for each other. I'll just say this. If our relationship with Christ does not move into that friendship level, then our servanthood of Christ is going to become dry and broken over time. And what will happen is we'll start to resent serving because we won't have what we feel like is any real payoff in the world side. But in the spiritual realm, the payoff will be that depth of knowing Christ in a way that we have not known him before. And service becomes a joy and not a burden for us. No matter what Christ asks of us. Verse 16. Underline this for me because it's such a great verse. You've got to get this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Why did Jesus choose us? So we know him and so that we would bear fruit. He handpicked every single one of us who know him so that we can bear fruit in his kingdom. And listen to this kind of fruit. Fruit that will last. I've shopped at a couple different grocery stores around and they'll remain nameless just for the protection of the innocent. But I've noticed that if you're getting certain kinds of fruit from a certain store, it seems like that fruit lasts about 26 minutes when you get it home. But if you get it from another store, it's like it lasts 26 days. I don't know what it is. What, what I want when, I, when I'm going into a grocery store and I'm, I'm trying to get produce and I'm, I'm picking up fruit, yet I want to buy fruit that will last, right? I mean, I want to buy fruit that's going to last to, to its normal uh, length of time, however long that is. Grapes should last as long as grapes are supposed to last. That's what you're paying for. You want fruit that will last. I want fruit that will last too in my spiritual life. God's looking for fruit that will last in each of our lives as well. And he chose us to bear not just fruit, but fruit that will last. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. You want to know the first thing that flows out of our fruitful life with the Lord is this, that we will love each other. We will love each other. So I want to just pull a few truths out of there. They're in your bulletin. You can write some of these down to, to study these. On Waiting on God for fruit in our life. As we wait on him, as we remain in Christ, we begin to see fruit that is produced out of that. The first thing is this, fruit takes time. Listen, fruit takes time. I don't know of any tree, any plant that has buds in the morning and then fruit at night. If you know of one, just let me know. But most plants that I've encountered do this. They start with a seed, which turns into a sapling, which grows into a mature plant, 
which over time begins to bud and flower. And then when circumstances are right, then fruit starts. But even that fruit has to ripen and to mature. And you and I have bit into a pear or an apple that's not ready, right? It's not mature. It's not ready to go. You've bit into a plum that's not ready to go. You've had a grape that's not ready to go. We have to learn how to let fruit mature. Fruit takes time. This is one of the traps that I see has fallen to as believers. Sometimes we look at believers who are further along in the faith than we are, and we look at the fruit that's coming out of their life, and we begin to say, listen, why isn't there fruit in my life? Or even, sometimes this is even harder for us, not people who are further along in the walk, but people who are our peers, who have been walking with the Lord just like we have, and we look at someone else's life, and we're like, man, look at all this fruit that's coming out of their life. I just want to challenge you. First of all, fruit takes time. Fruit takes time. As we remain in Christ, fruit is going to come. The other challenge I have for you is this. Don't fall into the trap of pride. Because looking at someone else is not led by the Holy Spirit. It's led by your flesh. That's really a pride move. Because why are you even looking to them in the first place? Because you want to compare yourself to them, right? You want to know how fruitful they're being so that you can compare your own fruit production. No, Listen, we focus on the vine, we remain in him as a branch, and fruit takes time. It is going to come. The second thing is this, when conditions are right, fruit is inevitable. When conditions are right, fruit is inevitable. Uh, one of the, the real gifts that came with our house when we bought it 10 years ago is we bought it from someone who loved to garden. I am not one of those people, but I'm glad that I bought a house from someone who was. Because they had already established everything in my yard that needed to be there from a planting standpoint. They even went further than this. I think I've told you this, but maybe not. But I, when I walked in my garage, he had made a hand-drawn diagram of my yard, including the outline of my house and every bed that he had planted. And within that diagram, he had labeled every single plant he had ever planted in that yard, its name, its position, and even the direction that the sun was coming up and going down. He had arrows going, this is north, this is west, this is east. Good sunlight, bad sunlight. He had it all labeled out. It's still in my garage to this day. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to have to reference that sheet. Because I didn't know the name of plants. But I have learned in my yard what the plants are because of this person's hard work in doing that. And what I have learned is this. Different plants grow in different conditions. I didn't know this. Did you know this? I didn't know this. But there are some plants that like a lot of sunlight. I just thought they needed sunlight. But there are some plants that don't need a lot of sunlight. So we've got plants on the west side of our house, evidently, I've been told, the west side of our house that likes a lot of sun, and it gets a lot of sun. And so they grow, and they, they flower, they do all those things on the east side of our house, we don't get a lot of sun. And he had put plants out that like shade. I didn't know plants like shade. But evidently, these plants do. So they bud in different ways. And this is what I figured out. I actually went in and tried to plant my own plants. Because, I mean, this is my house now. How hard can it be? So I go and I plant my own plants. I planted the same kind of plants. They're called lantana. They're these little uh, flowery plants that start out, and they mostly run along the ground. Sometimes they, they grow up a little bit about knee-high. They're real pretty, nice flowers. 
I planted them in my front bed in my yard, and I planted three right in a row. How hard can that be? Here's what has taken place in my new lantanas this year. I have one lantana that's like this big. It's huge. This is big lantana. I have this middle lantana that died about two months ago and no longer exists. So now I have this big hole in my mulch right here. And then over on the side near my door, I have this third lantana that's only like this big and only this spread out. And this is what I figured out. The way my house is angled, there's too much shade on this lantana most of the day. And this big boy over here gets all the sun. They're literally two and a half feet apart. Does it make any sense? But this one is thriving because it has plenty of sunlight. And this one died. I guess this one blocked all the sun. I don't know what was going on with that. I don't know. He choked him out under the ground. I don't know what was happening. But that one's got all the sunlight. And then this one, he's not really growing up because he didn't get enough sunlight. Different plants take different conditions. And listen, when conditions are right, fruit is inevitable. It's inevitable. So the third thing I want us to see is this. God controls the conditions, you control the position. God controls the conditions, you control the position. This is the amazing thing about God. You think plants are intricate? Try human beings created in his image and likeness. He has handcrafted every single one of us, and he knows as an individual what conditions you respond to to help mature your growth and spur you on to love and good deeds, and they're not the same conditions that I grow in. And my responsibility is not to worry about conditions. My responsibility is to worry about my position. My job is to position myself every day to remain in Christ, right? As I do that, that relationship is going to allow the resources of God to come into my life, and he's going to allow the conditions to come into my life that he wants them to come into. I know as a human, I really like uh, good, pleasant conditions. I like when everything's going right. I like when there's no conflict at work, the money in the bank account is great. But here's the problem. Sometimes that's not the conditions that God wants me in to grow. Now, praise God for the seasons that they come. But there are seasons he likes to put on the fertilizer of suffering in my life. And when that comes, I rebel against it and I push back. But as I remain in him, what happens is he begins to bear fruit through that. And I begin to see, listen, this was your plan. This is worth it. It's worth it to walk with you in that. We don't need to worry about the conditions, what's happening, whether or not we like it in our flesh and our own human understanding. We need to worry about our position every day. And God's going to bear fruit for us. So three things I want you to see about a life spent waiting on God. The first is this. It is guaranteed to bear fruit. A life waiting on God is guaranteed to bear fruit. Verse 4 said that if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Second thing is that. You'll bear much fruit. Not just fruit. You'll bear much fruit. Life is hard. Ministry is hard. This is hard work to walk with the Lord. I just don't want fruit. I want a lot of fruit. I want my produce aisle to be wide and full of a variety. I want much fruit. If you're going to put in this kind of effort to walk with the Lord and remain with Him, I want much fruit. And the third thing is this, fruit that will last. I don't want my fruit to be good for this week, but then to fall apart later spiritually. I want to produce fruit that generations after me, that my great, 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 after I'm gone. I want fruit that will last. 
Now, I know you type A's just got to the end of your notes. You're about ready to close up your Bible. I got three more points for you. So you see a buckle up. Hang on, okay? Just hang on. Because what I want to talk about is how do we make sure that our fruit lasts? I don't just want fruit from that one store I won't name that doesn't last. I want fruit that will last as I remain with the Lord. So I want us to see this. The first fruits we bear are the fruits of the Spirit. Anytime we remain in Christ, the first fruits we bear are the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to flip to the right in your Bible. If you're still with me in John, let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives us this inspirational word through the Holy Spirit. We get this insight into what the Spirit does for us. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to read through this list again, and I want to just ask you again. During this season, during this pandemic, I just want to know, are there any of these characteristics you'd like to see developed in your life during this time? I'm going to read through this list again. Just let me know what you think. Would you like to have love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? I would. Boy, I love to see that birth more in our culture right now. Boy, if that list could bear fruit in our school system, our workplaces, our neighborhoods right now, we need more of that. I want to say something to you. As you remain in Christ, these are the first fruits that are going to be born out of your life. We tend to think of the fruits that are born out of our lives as we remain in Christ, the results of our ministry, like higher attendance in our services, or maybe our finances go okay, or maybe our conflict with our wife goes down. And I think that's part of it, but I want you to miss this. The real fruit that is born first is a change in your character. The Holy Spirit helps you become more like Jesus. And by the way, if you want to know what Jesus' life was like, this is Jesus' life. Full of love, joy, peace, forbearance. That's Jesus' life. I want that birth in me. And here's why it's necessary. Because as that first fruit is born in me, it enables me to do the rest of the fruit. So how does my relationship with my wife get better? The Holy Spirit bears love and forbearance in my heart. And that allows me to love my wife in a healthy, God-honoring way. Then that fruit can be born. Are you with me? And it always starts with what the Holy Spirit does, with the fruits of the Spirit. First, second thing is this. These are the key to sustaining all the other fruits that result from them. Lasting fruit originates with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit, but it is sustained by that too. Don't believe me? How many ministries have started out in love and peace and kindness and faithfulness? And how about this? self-control but because of men and women who ran those ministries who went off the rail and allowed the holy spirit to stop producing these fruits because they stopped remaining in them how did the fruit out of those ministries endure not very long it crashed to the ground we're seeing that again and again and again i want fruit that will last and the only way it's going to happen is if i continue to allow the holy spirit to bear the fruits of the spirit in me throughout my life, no matter what the results 
of my ministry was. Here's not what I want on my tombstone. I don't want on my tombstone, he was a great minister 50 years ago. That's not what I want on my tombstone. What I want on my tombstone was, he was faithful up to death. That's what I want on my tombstone. Not for my glory, for God's. The only way that's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit. Let's just give us a hard word. We tend to focus on the results of our works. God focuses on our character. We tend to focus on the results of our work. We want to know, what's Jesus doing through me? What's going on, Jesus? What are you doing? How are you using me? How are you making disciples through me? Show me that. We tend to focus on the results of our work. Guess what God focuses on? Your character. He would much rather you be a depth of character than a breadth of results. Because character is going to take you a lot further. A lot further. A praise team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song. And as we do that, this is a chance for us to allow the Holy Spirit to search our character. I don't think we need to be worried about what fruit's being produced in our life because remember, the conditions are right and we position ourselves right. Fruit's inevitable. We don't have to worry about fruit. What we need to ask ourselves is, is the Holy Spirit being in a place where the fruits of the Spirit can be birthed in me? Am I remaining in Christ like I should be? Am I positioning myself right because that godly character is going to be birthed and changed in me into the image of Jesus. Let me pray for us, and we're going to stand together. We're going to worship. Our elders and their wives are going to be uh, gathered around and spread out throughout the sanctuary if you'd like to pray with them. And let's respond to the Lord in any way. Let me pray. Father, we come to you, and we look to you because we want the character of Jesus, not for our glory, but for yours. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you, birth the character of Jesus in us. Teach us how to remain in you. So that godly character can be produced in every area of our life. So as we come now, as we worship, and as we respond, we want you to speak to us about any area you want to continue to work in, Holy Spirit. What are you chipping away? How are you molding?